that's why the Brexit thing. It would have been great to read about this in a hundred years in a book, you know, because it's such an interesting time. It's just a pity that we literally will be divided down the middle. The referendum's been held. The letter has triggered Article 50, uh, Britain's decision to leave, and the process is underway. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. It is not in our interests to see the Republic of Ireland do anything other than prosper. We cannot agree to do this unless we have firm guarantees that there will not be a hard border in Ireland. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of Paddy Wants to Know Brexit with me, Jack Good, and my co-host, Brian Mann. What's up, guys? How you doing? I'm Brian Derry, London Derry, legendary, all the dairies. Absolutely. I, every single one of them. I love them all. The dairy we wanted to talk about today was the positive side of dairy, the civil society side of dairy, the people who are trying to make a change of dairy outside of the political parties, outside of, I suppose, the sectarian side of it that we see a lot in the news. But there's people who are trying to make a positive impact and we went to speak to them. Yeah, we hit the road. We went up to the the walled city, shall we call it. Yeah, I mean, the walled city. And, and after walking those famous walls, uh, we sat down with Conor Doherty, first of all, and then also this new campaign, Brian, Dairy Girls Against Borders. Yeah, so really interesting to get two related but slightly different topics within the city. Both very proud dairy people, but I suppose one operating within the system in terms of Conor Dardy, we're going to speak to him about the city deal or lack of deal. Mm-hmm. And then Dairy Girls Against Borders. It's basically outside of politics. It's non-party political. Yeah, they, they say the Dairy Girls Against Borders, they say that they're non-partisan. They say regardless of which way you voted on the referendum itself, this is a call to arms, as it were, that nobody wants any borders. And they're very clear, to be fair to them, they do not want to border east or west down the Irish Sea or north or south. So it was really great to actually get to talk to Brenda Stevenson, who came on the pod to have a chat with us. Um, but before that, I suppose we'll actually talk to Conor Doherty about mm. the city deal. And we're talking about there the border and, you know, the Dairy Girls Against Border. People have said it's become a political football. But with Conor, we're actually going to talk about football. It's a, It was really interesting to talk to him about football because we were just having a general chat at the time there. And it kind of flowed into kind of issues around identity and spo- uh, in sport and how people view themselves. And that was a really nice way to actually to be able to discuss what is, in effect, a very sensitive topic in Northern Ireland. So we'll start, Brian, with Connor talking about Derry's city crush. Yeah, their bay is Galway City. Galway Bay. <laughs> so Derry's a bit like Galway without the money. You know, we have uh, probably like Galway in about sort of 1997 before they really, really sort of hit pay dirt and sort of started focusing the uni on what they were doing. You know, we have the potential to grow quickly. Um, but we just need we need more. Like we've great city centre, great to sort of entertain, go for a weekend, etc. Um, but it's just it just needs to grow quickly. So to get to Galway, they have a plan. They want the city deal. They want doctors. We we've a bit in at the moment as part of the city deal. One of the things that Derry is looking at is putting a med school, and then if we can get the sort of you know it'd be great to have the doctors, etc. There's only so many doctor places, but if we can get the research element of that as well and sort of keep that base that around here, it could really be a real game changer for the city. This university, or lack thereof, in Derry, London Derry, is a big bone of contention because Coleraine got it and it was seen as a political move 
to downgrade Derry City, London Derry City, from being the second city within Northern Ireland. Yeah, they see this as a way to bring themselves back up and get, you know, what are in effect, you know, a lot of high value jobs out of those graduate doctors staying in Derry potentially, but also the research associated with medical research. So in order to do this, they need to get money from something called the City Deal. We'll let Connor explain what it is. So let's hear from Connor. A massive amount of money that they can use on infrastructure projects and the sort of the, the promise of it, it's coming straight from, it's coming from the Treasury, so it is. So it's, um, it has to be signed off by a Stormont government, but it's actually, you know, bequeathed from, from Westminster. So a they're sort of, you know, they're looking at really developing the infrastructure and putting sort of massive key projects could, that could be game changers. Game changers. Derry as a city had been talking about it for a while and it was sort of proposed first. Then Belfast got the march on us and they were announced in the autumn statement last year as going for a city deal. So that was a bit of a shock. The next day it was clarified that it was basically Belfast and the rest of Northern Ireland could go for it and Derry have been preparing their bid. So we got the green light last week. Um, to get to go to the next stage, mm-hmm. basically, but again, it's all dependent on on an executive to sign things off. So, you know, it, it's it'll be stuck in the sort of the logjam of stuff until until then. But you know, it, it, the wheels are in motion. The, the council have been preparing their bad documents and working on it for a good while now. So, um, you know, it, it should it could be excellent for the city. So this is a real life example. Stormont not sitting. Brexit's in play. The money's meant to become from Westminster, signed off by Stormont. And Derry, Derry goes on without university, without these new jobs, and I suppose without that little burst of life. Yeah, and at a time, you know, when it needs... Regardless of what you think of Brexit, you know, the economics apparently are quite clear. Northern Ireland will be very heavily hit and border regions more so. So something like a city deal for... For, for Derry would be, you know, absolutely massive. And I think Connor was very clear on that, you know, and they need that money now to kind of get cracking. We also better get cracking, so we'll take a break there. Hello, my name is Alison Spindle. I'm a podcaster, podcaster, yeah, that's the, okay, that's the one, we got it? <laughs> Hi, wait there. Hi, my name is Alison. Hello. I don't know why I'm sounding American. Hi, I'm Alison Spittle. This is my actual accent. I present the Alison Spittle Show. You can hear that every Wednesday on the... Every, not every Wednesday. Don't don't be too keen. You can hear that every second Wednesday on the uh, Headstuff Podcast Network, which you can hear on headstuff.org. Thank you. Welcome back. We're joined by Dairy Girls Against Borders, Brenda Stevenson, who is, amongst other things, an employee of the Western Health and Social Care Trust, a local activist, former mayor of Derry. And for the purpose of this interview, um, she's representing Dairy Girls Against Borders. So, Brenda, welcome onto the pod. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on and uh, allowing me to have my voice heard um, as part of the campaign um, of the Dairy Girls Against Borders. For the listeners, what is the campaign and where did it come from? 
Well, the campaign was born um, from a, a kind of group of like-minded girls, dairy girls who got together to share the concerns and their anxieties and their fears and their worries about the uh, possible of, of implementation of borders across the island of Ireland and across the Irish Sea. Um, as you will hear, you know, we've got worries, anxieties, fears, frustrations that ordinary people aren't being heard. We're going to ask governments in London, Dublin, Brussels and politicians in Belfast to listen to these concerns being voiced. We're looking for practical assurances, not jargon or repetitive rhetoric. Really what we don't want is we want no borders either on the island of Ireland or on the Irish Sea. So this is where this was born from. We put a call out to help and uh, we had a launch on Monday night here in Derry um, in the City Hotel, which was very, very well attended to. Um, we launched our petition. We have now over 2,000 uh, signatories on the petition and we are continuing for the next four weeks with the petition and then that will be presented to the governments in London, Dublin, Brussels and Belfast later on in October time. So I suppose you talk about practical assurances and you don't want a border either in the sea or on the island of Ireland. Are you going to yeah. further on the line try to come up with some solutions yourselves? Well, we've discussed practical solutions among ourselves, so we have, but we think it's time for our politicians to sit down and tell us what exactly it is they have in mind for us when it comes to the border issue, because we are not hearing any practical solutions at all. We can come up with um, loads and loads of things that we would see, but what we're just saying is, see, at this present moment in time, no borders. I'm old enough to remember what it was like having to cross the border, go through a checkpoint, be searched either in the car or be taken out and physically searched. I'm very, very lucky to have two um, young or two sons in their early twenties who were born in and around the signing of the Good Friday Agreement. They've crossed our border freely into parts of Southern Ireland without ever having an issue. And I don't ever want for that for us to have to go back to that again. So what's the reaction been like so far? 2,000 signatories. The reaction's been massive. My phone is bouncing literally all the time. We have a group of about 30 very dedicated um, females and we're calling out all the time. We, we, what we did was we, we put a call out for stories from women and men and boys and girls from Derry and the surrounding area, you know, um, to tell us their stories about, you know, why they wouldn't want a border there. For me, my story was, well, I remember, you know, old enough to remember the borders and the crossing of them. What would worry me after having 20 years of relative peace in this city, that we would go back to the dirt and dark, dark and murky days of the past where the troubles on the border was used as an excuse to um, bring violence on their streets. Why is there such an emphasis on it being non-political? Because we want to be inclusive. We've got to remember that people voted for Brexit, but they didn't vote on the border issue. So we will have people who will come to us saying, Do you know what? We don't want borders, but we want Brexit. So this is why we're not getting the Brexit debate. It's not about the politics or the minutia of Brexit. It's about the issue of the borders. Be they hard, be they soft, be they real, be they imaginary. We are not hearing of the people um, that we should be hearing from who are tasked and given responsibility and paid quite heavily to make these legislative decisions on our behalf. And we are not hearing from them what it is they intend to do for us in terms of the border. And what would the practical assurances look like? Well, let our politicians come up with that. You know, they walked us into this whole Brexit, you know, and all we're hearing, we're not here, no, we're not putting hard borders back in, we're not putting back soft borders back in, but we want to know, what is it? Come on, tell us. 
Somebody tell us, what are your plans? One of the other things that, that jumps out is, is the way of life that, that Dairy Girls Against Borders is talking about. Is that just like a lot of people obviously in Derry would go to Donegal and vice versa? You know, kids in school, working and everything like that. Yeah, that that, that is the essence of it. Donegal is our natural hinterland and always, always has been. We are proud to be a border city, so we are with Donegal um, right, right beside us. And lots of people live and work cross-border. And so there's all issues around that as well. Um, I have three siblings who live um, across the border at the minute. We provide care for my elderly parents. What will that mean to them coming up and down in the evening to just maybe cook a dinner for my mum and dad? Will they be searched? Will they be stopped? Will they get through? Will they have to have their, you know, their car searched? We don't know any of this. And it's real fears, real concerns and real anxieties that we have. And we have a, or launched this online petition you know, so that we want them to listen to everything we have to say. We want them to take on board our concerns. But more importantly, we want those four governments to come together and tell us exactly what is going to happen. We want them to agree a solution to ensure that there will be no borders on the island of Ireland or down the Irish Sea. And I suppose in terms of the practical solutions of what it might look like, there have been guarantees expressed that the common travel area will continue. Um, and the practical stuff you're talking about there, will that not be covered under a common travel area? Again, we've heard it. It's rhetoric. We've heard it. It's rhetoric. You know, that's our politicians have said that, but they haven't told us practically how that is going to be managed. I suppose then, are you, do you see it, this movement as kind of stepping into kind of the vacuum of political leadership that kind of some people might say exists in Northern Ireland there's no assembly there's no executive is this you guys coming together and saying well we're going to do something about it yeah a civic society coming together to say do you know what we're really concerned about this we can't get our politicians to agree we can't even get them to go up and sit in the assembly as, a, as another frustrating thing for us but we want our voices heard we need our voices heard you know this is crucial for future generations I have been, as I said, the generation who remembers the borders, but I've also reared two children and a generation of young people who don't remember that. We want that to remain. So we do. We want do we? We do not want borders either hard or soft on the island of Ireland and on the Irish Sea. We want to be able to travel freely and safely, whether it be north to south or east to west. Obviously, you're named after Dairy Girls. I note that the school um, where the, where the series is based is actually closer to Muffin Donegal than to Derry City itself. And for so for people not familiar with Derry, it, it portrayed Derry in a, in a different way than maybe it, it has been in the past. Derry Gears was a fantastic show. I attended that school and it portrayed. I'm a proud Derry Gears, so I am, and I was delighted to see our logo on on the um or on the school blazers of the Gears and Derry Gears. We did look at that show and looked at, you know, how it captured the hearts and minds of people across this island, across other islands and indeed across the world. But how it portrayed Derry Gairds and their feisty nature and their belief in one another and their fight for what's right and their civil, you know, their, their civil and, 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 you know, their liberties for one thing and for, what, for, for want of a better word, at a very, very, very dark time in our troubles. But it did it and a way that told our story of what life was practically like for us at that time that we probably couldn't have articulated ourselves. And I have to thank Lisa McGee for doing that on behalf of every, every single Derry girl, boy, man and woman 
um, or, or whatever gender you see yourself as, um, because we are a very proud nation. But uh, yes, we did. We looked at the success of that show and we thought, you know what, why not? Very Gears Against Borders. And I see that they're actually recording the second season um, in October, November. When can't, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. And October's obviously another big Brexit deadline and I think they're hoping to air the show in April, which obviously March is potentially a huge Brexit milestone. Uh, th- well, I, I think I think that's more of a coincidence than um, a campaign condition. So it is, you know, um, it, it, it just coincided with us getting together and deciding we were going to launch something. There was no kind of conscious effort to tie it in that, that closely with, you know, the, the whole Derry Gare story. So it's also within the Dairy Girls, you know, there's that final, you know, two minutes of of the last episode, uh, you know, where, where the bomb goes off. I suppose is that a concern of some of the members of Dairy Girls Against Borders? Massive concern, massive concern of uh, uh, you know, um, of massive concern of all of us because you only have to look back to recent weeks here in the city where we were taken back to the dark days where hijacking came back onto our streets, rioting came back onto our streets. Gunfire came back onto our streets. That is how close we are. And that is within, we've had 20, 20 years of a very, very hard won campaign for peace in this city. This city was the city of civil rights. It was where the peace process was born. And we want to retain that peace here. We cannot allow um, any sort of border to be implemented that will allow other factions to use that as their agenda to bring violence back on the street. It's just an old gore. And in fact, we were up in, in, in uh, Derry slash London Derry recently and we walked the walls and a friend of ours who's, who's lived in the vicinity for, for over 30 years was saying that near the Fenton Estate as we walked along the walls that part of the walls had been closed off and it was the first time in her lifetime that she'd seen that. Yeah, absolutely. It was the same for all of us when I was going to school the very school that was portrayed in the Derry Girls uh, comedy. Um, when I was at that school, we were the, the school for the first years were based up in the city centre. It's now the Playhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but that was where the first year girls um, at Thornhill went in my time. And at that time, there was only a section of the walls open for us to go out and play. So our playground was like a war zone. And we were 11 years old. And do you think that those lived experiences that are obviously, you know, not necessarily fresh around people, but certainly remain a constant um, constant thought, is that kind of part of what Dairy Girls Against Borders is trying to explain, that these aren't the distant yeah, past, these absolutely, aren't... absolutely, yeah. This is about us, this is about our hearts and minds, it's about how we think, how we feel, how we move around our city and region. Um, it is a real concern, it's something we've lived in, it's, it's, in, our, it's in our psyche for want of a better word. And then, you know, we have younger people on board too who don't ever remember those borders but don't want to go back there either because they have had the freedom of opportunity to travel wherever they wanted. So I suppose, going back to the, the, the signatories in 2000, like, what's what's what does success look like for you on that figure? Um, well, we're delighted because it was only launched on Monday night. We've already over 2,000 signatories and, and that's only on the online campaign. We're also doing a hard campaign, so we are uh, locally where we're garnering people, you know, to go out and, and, and get it done. Obviously, we're going to be doing, uh, hoping to do launches in Brussels, Belfast and London, which will launch this campaign over there too. So it's like, what will that look like at the end of it all? Because we're not looking at just one 
uh, island of a population. We're looking at other areas too. And to sign it, do you have to be a dairy girl or, or is it open to uh, to everyone? It's open to anybody, anybody who supports our cause, anybody across the island of Ireland or anywhere in this world who understands the freedom of movement, the, the desire that we have not to ever have a border again on this island or down the Irish Sea. Please get in there. Please encourage people with this podcast to get out there and get behind the Dairy Girls Against Borders. We appreciate every signature that goes in that and There's been some concerns about other uh, campaigns against border, you know, whether it be border communities against Brexit and stuff like that, that they've been politicised. How can Dairy Girls Against Borders be protected or or is it just remain vigilant? We just are very uh, open to including everybody, very inclusive within um, uh, within our campaign. Again, as we say, we called it Dairy Girls Against Borders, but then we, you know, you quickly realise it's not. There's dairy women, there's dairy older generations, there's dairy boys, there's dairy dads, there's dairy, you know, whatever and, you and want l- to call and them. L- and l- and London dairy real- women as well, presumably. And London dairy, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, London dairy people as well. We are just asking everybody who don't want the border. This is not about the Brexit, and I want to reiterate that again. This is not about the Brexit. It's not a political debate over Brexit. It is about the borders. And uh, anybody who supports our campaign, whether you voted for or against, who, if you are against the borders, please get behind us. So so Brenda, support. Where, where online uh, can you sign this petition then? Uh, if you go onto our Facebook page, Dairy Girls Against Border or Against Borders, you will find the online petition. We also have a Twitter page, Dairy Girls Against Borders, and we have an Instagram account, Dairy Girls Against Borders. Okay, Brenda. Um, thanks very much for coming on the pod, and I suppose best of luck uh, with the campaign. Thank you. Thanks a million, and thanks a million on behalf of Dairy Girls Against Borders for giving me the opportunity to have our voice heard. Thanks a million. So that was Brenda Stevenson there. I, I mean, I think Brian talking about her own lived experiences and also those of her children. I thought that was very powerful. Exactly. She was talking, you know, there about her kids who have never had to experience a border in their mind in reality at all, and she doesn't want them to ever have to experience that. That, and I think that is what has propelled this campaign forward. And you know, the two thousand signatures after a couple of days. Let's see how far they go. And that keeper came, keeper's lost it! It's in the net, it's a goal! And it's Shane Duffy for the first time in green, an Ireland lead after three minutes. So that was Shane Duffy's first goal for the Republic of Ireland. And this final bit of the pod, we, we go back to Conor Doherty and... He's a season ticket holder with Derry City, huge football fan. And the reason we just played the Shane Duffy clip there was that in an interview with the second captains, he told Richie Sadler that he was always going to play for the Republic of Ireland and that if you're from Derry City, you'd understand why. So we asked Connor basically why. If you were if you were good enough and you're from Derry City, you were always going to play for the Republic. You know, there was a lot of people that that like a good friend of mine captained played for the Republic under-21 and then captain Northern Ireland under-21 as well. And he played for Northern Ireland as a career choice. You know, it was basically, he was told by the under-21 manager at the time, look, there's a couple of people in front of you, you probably better play for the North if you want to get get a move and get you know, get your career up and, and going. So um, if you're from Bogside or Craigan, standing in front of what was a very partisan Windsor Park Listening to God Save the Queen is just not something that you'd ever feel comfortable with. There's been a lack, you know, 
dare I say they don't play in the league or the Irish league they play in the League of Ireland you know we, we were kicked out years ago for trying to burn a team bus so you know there's ill feeling on both sides basically but um, it's just the sort of We've never the, the development. The you know, it's only recently the coaching has got better from the IFA side of things. Um, so you always look to the south. You know, you always did look for the, the Republic. You know, at our age as well, ninety, ninety four, two thousand two. You know, those eighty eight as well. They were all big moments and 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 sort of you know learning about football and stuff like that. So you know, we were we were always you were always looking out for it. I think it'll change now if Northern stay successful and do the amazing work that they have been doing to make it a better place for people to go. Um, there, There's not the same stigma that there was then. Um, but there's still a bit to go, I'd say. Um, you know, it's it'll turn into the sort of you know like like going to see the republic now in the in the aviva you know when it's lovely and nice you know it's a day out it's a day trip um once you get to that level you take the passion out of it to a certain extent but you also make it a lot more appetizing for everyone to get involved it's like you know Ulster rugby in the last while has become you know like the de facto team uh up here you know for years you you wouldn't have known they were playing um uh outside of of areas of Belfast, you know, but now it's 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 um the only show in town really. And and it, the the kind of sectarian politics is is completely removed. So you, like the rugby is kind of a template, is it that you have sport in and of itself rather than football, where you might have the Derry shirt, you might have the Northern Ireland strip, or the Rangers Celtic strip, which are then sort of identification of a political leaning. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Like, you know, you go to you go to. Uh, I thought, looking at the Northern Ireland fans at Euro twenty sixteen, they were on mass. They had Northern Ireland shirts. They were, you know, they they were trying to do as much to dispel the myth of of you know them being, um, and they have changed a lot. You know, the, the fan base has changed, so it wasn't like you no. Know, I remember going to see a Northern Ireland game two thousand and two, and just feeling, oh God, they they know that I'm I'm from Derry. Uh, I'm standing in the, and and it was sort of was. I, it felt very intimidating, and there was about six thousand people in Windsor Park that night. It was empty, um, but you still felt I wouldn't have liked to have been there. Um, I wouldn't like to be on the field if I, if I was from Derry. But um, but they've changed it so much. They've done so much work to weed out the the troublemakers and to make it um, a lot more acceptable to be involved with it. But. You know, still got God save the Queen. So, you know, mm. where there, there's always there's still that as a as a thing. It depends on what you you know how you, how you feel about standing up in front of that. So, so so without reducing it too much, it is the the sporting kind of compromises that need to be made. It does also show the mixed identities that still remain unresolved, and that Brexit will kind of challenge in a way. Will it? Yeah, I, I read somewhere a while ago that sort of post the millennium people were starting to identify as Northern Irish for the first time you know they weren't British they weren't Irish they were Northern Irish and I think that that was something you know as Northern Ireland got more affluent and as the peace process kicked in it was it was easier to say that you were Northern Irish um, and it was more acceptable and you know it that helped as well you know that, that sort of you know the same thing that you know um, post troubles like a Sinn Féin go away from being, you know, the the association with the IRA, etc. Like, and they become a more sort of like uh, 
their their face for change as well you know so we are we are progressing so i think there is um i the, there was more of a sort of feeling that you could sort of identify as northern irish as opposed to having to be one or the other and is brexit challenged that or uh yeah because politics has become more binary again you know it seems to be you know you're either you're pro-union or anti-union or you know you're, you're very nationalist or you know, even the terminology of like you know they used to use loyalists you used to hear loyalist and republican as nothing but insults or you know that was the extremists and now it's slipped into the parlance of everyday speak that you know people identify as a loyalist you know or people identify as a republican now while it's, you know, beforehand it would have been an insult you would have traded with someone so um it's definitely you know as politics has seemed to be it's just going to the sides you know it's going to the sort of you know like that's why the brexit thing it would have been great to read about this in 100 years in a book you know because it's such an interesting time it's just a pity that we literally will be divided down the middle you know? but um it just it it really the the thing, same as the sort of Scottish independent vote as well, it was like a yes or no. It's, it really distills politics down to being something easy to understand, um, on one, despite it being a massively complicated issue. But it, you know, it did. It, it was easier for people to sort of get involved in that than have it to sort of make a choice of five people you don't know the policies of and etc. So like that, it, it was sort of an, an entry into the democratic process for a lot of people. But um, it's definitely made it you know characters stand out because they're. They're at the sidelines, as opposed to being in the middle. So easy to understand, but impossible to reconcile. Yeah, but yes. Um, there, ha- there'll have to be some reconciliation pretty soon to get the assembly back up and running, um, and to ensure that a deal for Brexit happens that is suitable for all parties. Um, but they need to get their act together very, very quickly. A conversation about football and so much more. I think the language question as well is something we're going to touch on in a future podcast with um, Senator and Marshall. It's something we noticed ourselves talking to people. And I think in, in the last clip there, Connor says, I have to be careful what I say here. I mean, it's it's kind of... It's exhausting, isn't it? That's exactly the word I was hoping you'd reach for there. Because... Uh, even that pause that you had there while you were searching for that word, which is just for this particular sentence to describe what we've we've just heard, they have to do that almost every day, depending on the circumstances they're in and who they're talking to and green or orange or Northern Irish football or the Republic of Ireland football team. Um, And it's just like, you know, it's a minefield. And it's a minefield we're going to actually be returning to the next podcast, we're, we're, we're getting a bit political and we're getting some insights from two people who, who really know the scene, the director of Hollywell Trust, Jared Dean, and Owen Bradley, a former advisor to the leader of the SDLP, Colm Eastwood. And these two conversations really, really helped us get a grasp, not quite an understanding, um, <laughs> but certainly a grasp of Northern Ireland politics and the drivers and dynamics behind it. So so definitely well worth it, worth a listen. So we'll leave it there for now. And um, Brian, there's a way to get in touch with us, good, bad or indifferent, Ho- hopefully good. Yeah, <laughs> you'll shatter our fragile egos. It's at uh, Paddy Brexit on Twitter. It's uh, Paddy wants to know Brexit at gmail.com with the number two in it. And yeah, please do rate, uh, rate us, subscribe to us, uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Okay, we'll leave it there until next time.
this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.